0: In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we're glad that you're here. If you're visiting with us, we're certainly glad you're here. Am I on? We're good? There we go. Um, we're glad you're here. Um, if, you, if you've got your bulletins, I, would <clears throat> I just want to draw your attention to a couple of things real quickly. If you look in, at the uh, insert, it talks about the Christmas Eve service. The blue insert, it talks about the Christmas Eve service, as well as the cantata. And I want you to look at that because it, it's a little bit different this year because we're going to have two different services for each of those days. On December the 13th, we've got a 3 p.m. mask only and a 6 p.m. A mask optional service. And we hate that we have to do that, but obviously the social distancing thing means we only have a limited number of areas that we can actually have people seated. So the, to be able to do that, we would ask that you would register for the event through the office, and then you pick up your reservations there uh, at the office. Uh, and it's for members, uh, regular attendees, and then their guests, both services. Now, the, uh, December the 24th is at 2.30, mask only, and 6 p.m., mask optional. Uh, and the live streaming will be at the 2nd. Uh, of those se- uh, services, um, it's my pleasure this morning to to welcome uh, back uh, our uh, past senior pastor from two thousand to two thousand and twelve, Joe King, uh, Dr. Joe King, and Nancy, and both of them uh, actually led our worship services for those years, uh, Nancy on the piano and Joe as our senior pastor. Uh, it's a special, it's a special privilege for me, uh, in particular. Uh, I just want to briefly tell you a little bit about uh, Joe and Nancy and the shepherding they did uh, to me personally. Uh, I had an aneurysm in 2012 or 13, I don't remember. And anyway, anyway, I had surgery, and it was very risky surgery. Nancy and Joe were at the hospital from seven in the morning until the whole point is he's a shepherd Uh, and it's just a blessing to have him here thank you very much Joe, Nancy we appreciate you both
1: I want to say, on behalf of uh, me and my wife Nancy, we are delighted to be with you once again today. It is a joy to be here, so to see so many faces that we uh, we recognize, and many new faces as well. And 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 what a joy it is! And I want to thank uh, Pastor Clark for the privilege once again to come and open God's Word to you this morning. Psalm ninety-five, verses one, says this. Listen carefully. Come. Let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. You hear that word? Thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. He is our God. We are the people of His pasture. We are the sheep of His hand. Would you pray with me? Father, as we come this morning, we ask that You would come in a mighty way. We're assembled here worship. We're assembled here to give you glory and honor and praise, as the psalmist says that we just read. So, Lord, would you, through the Holy Spirit, allow us to come and to sing and to give thanks and to give praise and to worship during this difficult time of a virus that we may glorify you. And we thank you for what you will do. In Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen. I want to take just a moment to tell you about this next hymn that we're going to sing. You know that it's a hymn that's usually sung at at Thanksgiving. But the hymn goes back to the 1600s, when the Dutch Reformed Calvinist could not meet publicly in Spain because the king of Spain forbid them to have public worship. And so when he decreed that they could have public worship, this hymn was written as a hymn of thanksgiving and praise to God for the privilege of being able to worship publicly. wasn't until 1935 that this hymn showed up in any American hymnal. And so as you sing it today, think about the blessings that God has given to you and to give to this land and the fact that we can assemble together to worship him. Would you stand together and let's sing together, We
2: Gather Together.
1: Seated. I'll take you back to the year 325, city called Nicaea, now in modern day Turkey. The church was divided. It was split over Jesus Christ. Was he truly, eternally God, or was he a created being? This controversy went on for many, many years until finally Constantinople, the emperor, said, We're going to have a council, and 300 bishops from all over the world gathered together to study this issue, represented by, first of all, a man by the name of Athanasius who held to the biblical view that Jesus was eternal, and then Arius who held to the view that Jesus was a created being. Now, lest you make light of that, This controversy caused great controversy in the church, so that people were even burned at the stake because of this. Out of that council, all the 300 plus bishops that gathered, only two refused to sign the document. And a creed was developed called the Nicene Creed. It said that Jesus Christ is eternal. He was not created. And being eternal, he has the very nature of God being God in the flesh. I love what Harry Ironside said one time. He said, Jesus Christ is the only one who existed before he was born. Let's read it together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, And of things visible and invisible, I believe in the one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made, who for us is He shall come again with glory to judge the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds
2: from the
0: Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified,
1: who spoke by the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge, I acknowledge one, one baptism, baptism for the remission the of sins, and, and I look for the, for the resurrection, resurrection of, the of, the of the dead and of and the, of the life, life of the world, world to come. To come. Amen. Amen.
2: I'm
1: going to ask you to bow in a moment of silent prayer, and then we will recite together the Lord's Prayer, and then I'll lead us in a corporate prayer. Let's pray. Would you join me as we pray together the prayer our Lord taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Father, we bow this morning in your presence, knowing that you have ordained that we would be here today even under difficult circumstances of a virus. But we come to give you glory and we come to give you praise. We come also, Father, to confess our sins to you. that We have not done as we should, and we have done what we shouldn't. And so, Father, we have sinned and we ask your forgiveness. We thank you that Jesus tells us if we confess our sins, he, Jesus, forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We pray as David prayed, Lord, create in me a clean heart. And we ask, Father, that this morning as we gather together, we pray, Father, on behalf of this church and its members. And Lord, we ask that you would strengthen and encourage and bless. We pray for Pastor Marion as he is away today. Give him refreshment. Thank you for his gifts, his service to this church. Lord, would you bless him. We pray also, Father, for other churches in this area and pastors. Some are struggling because of the difficulty of trying to pastor during this time of COVID-19. Encourage them. We lift them up. We pray, Father, for the families here. Thank you. We ask, Lord, for those that will be undergoing medical procedures in the next few days and months. Some are waiting phone calls from doctors even now as we are gathered together this morning, the uncertainty. Some, Father, uh, wrestling with issues In marriage, others with their children or their grandchildren or their parents or their finances. Lord, we bring it to you because you know the beginning and you know the end and you have so ordained it. Father, would you comfort your people this day? Thank you for hearing us as we pray. Because we pray not in our name. We pray in the name of the one who even now is at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us as saints according to the will of God. In the name of Jesus, the only name of our Savior, we pray. Amen. I ask you to stand together and let's sing the doxology of praise to our God. invite your attention. The Word of God this morning, it's First Kings chapter 17. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, I think there is an insert in your bulletin that you might want to read along as I read. And let me remind you that we are reading God's Word and God is about to speak to us. Every time we open His Word, He speaks to us. 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 1. We read these words. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, "As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, thus shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word." And the word of the Lord came to him. Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. And he went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is east of the Jordan, And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while the brook dried up, because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. And behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he went, arose, and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And she he he called to her and said, "Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink." And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, "Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand." And she said, "As the Lord." Your God lives. I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour and a jar and a little oil and a jug. Now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterwards make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she And he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Would you join me in prayer? Father, um, we come now. We've been singing to you. We've been praying to you. And now we ask that you would speak to us. The scripture says, the one who has ears to hear, let him hear. We ask for spiritual ears that we may hear what you want to say to your congregation this morning. Father, would you give us illumination? Give us hearts that want to hear and grow. And I pray, Father, for the person that may be here this morning who comes and they're here and they're listening by video and they're discouraged. Lord, would you encourage them Do you get the glory. And you get the praise, and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to see the year 220 gone. I I am just uh, so tired. Having to wear a mask everywhere, socially distancing, um So many problems, stock market going up and down like a yo-yo, presidential elections, Senate elections, it just keeps going on and on and on, and I think, Lord, when will it end? When will it end? We, We need some encouraging news. Well, I was reading through the Old Testament, and I came across this passage of Scripture, and I realize there's some encouraging news here. I want you to see it, because the people of Israel experienced some difficult and challenging times. Although some of the Israelites strayed from the Lord, there was a remnant of people who stayed. And I want to give you three things this morning if you're taking notes. First of all, I'm going to talk about the past. and secondly, I'm going to talk about the provisions. And thirdly, I'm going to talk about the promises. Let's start with the past. I have to give you a little background of this text so you understand more and more of why this is occurring. When God called Abraham out of Ur, he said to him, Abraham, I'm going to make a nation from you. And he and Sarah had no children. But over time, we know that Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob... Jacob had 12 sons. They were called the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob's other name was Israel. The nation of Israel, for the most part, was unified until we get to the time that they wanted a king. first king's name was Saul. And God said, I don't want you as Israel to have a king. And they said, no, we want a king because all the other nations around us have kings and we want someone that we can go to physically who is a king. God said, okay, I'll permit it to happen. And they looked around and they found this guy that was a head taller than everybody else, and they said, we want him to be the king. Uh, wasn't a good choice. And you read the Old Testament, you see for a while that uh, things worked out well, but they went pretty downhill after that. And so God took the baton of kingship from Saul and gave it to the youngest son of Jesse, David most unlikely candidate he was a man of for God's own heart great musician singer wrote many of the psalms with all his flaws yes he had flaws and he wanted to build a temple for God and the lord said no david you're not going to build the temple because you've been a man of bloodshed too many wars your son solomon is going to build the temple So David was the architect. The baton was passed then to Solomon. And Solomon became king. And Solomon built this temple like no other structure in all the earth. It was absolutely gorgeous. Gifts from all over the world came in to fund this. And yet, the temple was built. Well, after Solomon, the baton was passed to Solomon's son. His name was Rehoboam. And Rehoboam made a mess of everything. He was not a good king. Taxes went up. The kingdom split. There were ten tribes in the north of Israel and two tribes in the south called Judah. Here's how I remember that. Alphabetical order, I-J. Israel, Judah. Two down here, ten up there. You with me? And they had 39 kings that were ruling them over time. 19 in the north, 20 in the south. Of those 39 kings, only 8 were considered good kings. The worst is the guy we're going to talk about now, Ahab. Notice with me, if you would, in chapter 16 and verse 29. In the 38th year of Asa king of Judah, Ahab the son of Amri began to reign over Israel. Well, what was he like? Notice verse 30. And Ahab the son of Amri did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. He was the worst of the worst. Now, why was he so bad? Because he believed in what was called Baal worship. Baal was a false god that they thought controlled the weather. He believed in what they called the Asherah poles that they would set up and the Israelites would come and they would worship at these poles, false gods. Believed in Canaanite worship. that was, uh, Believed in child sacrifice. He even purchased a piece of property in Samaria and built a temple there and dedicated a, a uh, area of it to the temple god Baal. He was terrible. But not only that, he was married to a woman by the name of Jezebel. Now, Jezebel was from Phoenicia. She was from Zarephath. Her father was a ruler in Zarephath. And she came over with at least 450 prophets from the prophets of Baal, and she wanted to wipe out all the prophets of Israel. And so Obadiah, in the next couple of chapters, took a hundred prophets and he, he took them and he, and he sequestered them into caves so that would, they would stay alive, and he fed them morning and evening to keep them away from Jezebel because he knew that she would kill them. It was a political marriage. It was a disaster. So she comes from Phoenicia and she comes over to Israel, and she's trying to wipe out anything in the name of Yahweh. Ahab is the king. Now pick up the text with me if you would. In chapter 17, verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbead, of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, depart from here, turn eastward, hide yourself by the brook Kereth, which is east of the Jordan, and you shall drink from the brook, for I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Now I find it interesting that God sends Elijah the prophet to Ahab and says, Ahab, it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. Now, if you look in the fifth chapter of the book of James, in verses 17, you'll read that Elijah prayed and it did not rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed again and it began to rain. So for three and a half years, there's a drought in Israel. You say, well, what's the big deal with that? Israel was an agricultural country. They depended on their farms. They depended upon their rivers for their fishing. They depended upon their crops. And now they're drying up until Elijah says, God says, I'm going to remove the curse. So Elijah goes and he gives the message. How would you like that job? <laughs> I mean, he, he probably thought his life was in danger. I would. And God says to him, Elijah, after you give the message, I want you to go east. And I want you to stay by a brook called Kareth. Now notice, secondly, the provisions that God gives them. Keep in mind there's a drought here. God says, go stay by the brook. What does the brook have in it? Water. And if I was Elijah, I would be kind of shaking my head saying, Lord, there's a drought here. And so Elijah goes and he stays by the brook. Now, Lightfoot in his commentary tells us that he stayed there for over a year. And notice the provisions that God says. Go there, Elijah, and the ravens will feed you in the morning and they will feed you in the evening. Now, I did a little bit of research on ravens, and I found some very interesting things about them. They are very intelligent birds. Their intelligence is just below that of the chimpanzee and the dolphin. Very, very bright. They're also very large birds. They can live uh, 17 years in the wild, up to 40 years in captivity, by the way. But they're a large bird and their wingspan can be four and a half feet wide. They're also one of the strongest birds on earth because their beak is so strong they can literally rip the flesh. And their talons are so strong that they can tear the flesh off the bone quite easily. Now, I don't want to put words in Elijah's mouth, but if I had been there, I would have said, Lord, couldn't we use a canary? Or, I mean, these are, these are vultures. These are birds that prey upon others and devour their flesh. And it's in the middle of a drought. And they're, they're looking for food themselves and you're telling me that they're going to come and they're going to feed me? Can you imagine what that must have been like for Elijah every morning as he goes outside by the brook and he looks and he sees these birds that are circling and they come and they land and they bring the meat to him. You talk about curbside service. Morning and evening. Evening for over a year. You see, Elijah's in the very center of the will of God, and yet the circumstances are about to change to get even worse. We tend to think if you're in the will of God, you're on the mountaintop. Everything's going good. No. Notice the verse. And after a while, the brook dried up. There is no rain in the land. That's hard, isn't it? It's hard to be faithful when you don't think God is moving and hearing your prayer, and you wonder, God, when will you show up? When Nancy and I had our home here, many of you came to our home, we opened it up regularly through the the year for different things and choir classes and so forth, and we were blessed to have it. And when I resigned here, we immediately put it on the market to sell it. We were going to be moving to um, Lawrenceville, Georgia, where I was going to be a pastor in a church there. We put it on the market and found what we thought was the best real estate company around here, and I did all the research and Got it on the market, and we had a, a, a basement apartment in somebody's home up in Lawrenceville and had our home here. We couldn't make two house payments, and it was a very, very difficult time for us. And uh, I get reports from the real estate agents, and uh, they'd say, well, we've shown your house this many times this month, and we have got this report, and we did this. And I, this went on for several months and six months, and I called them. I said, uh What's the prognosis look like? I said, well, we just don't know. We're, we're showing it. Went on for another six months, and I called him back, and I said, uh, we, what's the deal here? We're, we're trying to keep property at Lake Oconee and keep it up, and yet we're trying to move to Lawrenceville. I said, I can't keep being in two places like this. I said, well, um, we'll come and stage your house a little differently, and we'll drop the price, and the price kept dropping, 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 dropping. I told Nancy, I said, we're going to do good to get out of here with our shirt. And it was a list of people, hundreds of people came and looked at our house. Two and a half years later, it's still not sold. You talk about living by the brook? You talk about waiting on God and the brook dries up? I understand that. One day the telephone rang and it was our real estate agent and I'd gotten to the point where I just I was just giving up hope. And she said I got a couple that wants to come by and see your house. I said when do they want to come? She said Sunday afternoon. I thought no that's nap time. I don't want you to come at nap time. I've been to this rodeo so many times you know they're going to walk. She said, I said she said when can you when can you leave? I said well soon. She said, okay, can you be out in an hour? I said, yes. She said, they really want to see your house. I thought, okay, I've seen this before. So we left and got in the car and we rode around the neighborhoods, you know, like you do 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, and we pulled back from the house and nobody there. Got down, I sat in my chair and the telephone rang. It's a real estate agent said, I have an offer for you on your house. I said, what's an offer? I don't even know what an offer is. It's been two and a half years. She said, I've got an offer for you on your house. She said, this couple has been looking online at your house for over a year. And they walked in and they saw it. And she said, they walked out, sat in the car five minutes, came back and said, we want to make an offer. We want your house. You talk about staying by the brook. There you go. But the story didn't end there. Notice that God wasn't finished with Elijah. Verse 8. The word of the Lord came to him and said, Arise and go to Zarephath. Zarephath? Wait a minute. That's the land of Jezebel. That's this place up in Phoenicia. That's where it's a Gentile country. That's where they have all the Baal worship and the Canaanite worship. And that's a terrible place to go. God said, I want you there. And he said, not only that, I've commanded a widow to feed you there. Does that strike you strange? I mean, in that day, widows were very poor people. They didn't have insurance policies and they didn't have the, the means and the finances that we often have today. They, they didn't have that. Matter of fact, she was so poor that she met him at the gate and he said, what are you doing? She said, I'm gathering sticks together to go in and prepare what little meal I can for me and my son because then we're going to die. So Elijah shows up and says, can you bring me some water? Wait a minute. There's a drought. Can you bring me water? She had very little. She said, can you bring me some bread? She had very little. This, This, by the way, is what we call a continuing miracle. Because it is estimated that Elijah stayed with this widow and her son for over two years. And every time she went to the cabinet, and every time that she got out the the oil or she got out the flour, it never, ever ran out. Can you imagine? God was faithful. Now, if I were God, I wouldn't use a raven, and I wouldn't use a widow I wouldn't use the things that seem so extraordinary to provide for the prophet and the people of God. But here's the thing. God always takes the route that brings him the greater glory. Write it down. He'll always take the route that brings him the greater glory. And sometimes that's using people and circumstances in our lives that we would never think that he would ever use. And so she shows up and she ministers to him. Now, we don't have time this morning to look at the rest of the chapter. I encourage you to read it when you go home. But her son dies. She already lost her husband. Now her son's going to die. And Elijah brings him back to life. But here's what I want you to see. During that time of waiting, God manifested his glory in an incredible way to Elijah and to the widow. And I think it interesting that God took the prophet and put him in a place that he ordinarily would never go so that he would minister to some folks that didn't want to hear. Now, I don't have time this morning to... to go to this text, but if you want to, you can go this afternoon to read Luke chapter four, because Jesus went to his hometown, Nazareth, and he was talking about this very teaching in the synagogue and talking about this very text of scripture, and he gave this illustration about going from the book of Tereth in Israel all the way to Zarepath. And you know what they wanted to do to the hometown boy, Jesus? Kill him. You know why? Because he was, God was passing over so many widows in Israel and ministering to one. And they thought, this is extremely unfair. And Jesus escaped and went through the crowd unhurt. It's an amazing story so see, we, we see here she went, verse 15, and did as Elijah said, and she and her household ate for many days, and the jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Let me give you a couple of take-home points, if I may. First of all, God sometimes calls us to places and circumstances we would never consider going ourselves. Maybe it's to a neighbor next door that you have so little in common with. Maybe it's somebody that you know that just laughs at the fact that you come to Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church. They want nothing to do with the gospel. I'll never forget. I was playing golf here several years ago and I was on one of the courses at the Reynolds Plantation, and it's not Reynolds Plantation anymore, I don't know what it is now, sorry, tells you how long it's been since I've been here. And uh, I was playing with uh, a member of the church and two other guys from the community, and uh, it's always interesting, you know, when they don't know what you do and then they ask. It's like this sheet just goes up like, uh-oh, you know? I had a wonderful time of just being there with those men and just ministering. Wouldn't have ever thought that that would happen on a golf course. Secondly, God desires His people to seek Him not merely for the provisions and blessings. God desires for us to seek Him for who He is so that He gets the glory. And he gets the praise. And thirdly, realize that even in difficult times of famine, drought, pestilence, even a virus, illness, other difficulties, God uses those times as lessons in our lives to bring us closer to himself. You know, the thing that I see here in this text is Elijah is sort of a type of Jesus Christ. He pronounces the word of God. Then makes the provisions for his people, standing firm. It's about trusting him. Let me just close with a little illustration that my my daughter Meredith is twenty eight years old now. Hard to believe, isn't it? Some of you discipled her when she was here. We moved here when she was eight. And uh, you taught her in Sunday school. You taught her in youth group. And I'm so thankful for your ministry ministry to her as a little girl. But when she was just a little girl, I mean like two or three years old, she would see me coming home and I'd get out of the car and she would uh, meet me at the front door. And uh, she would walk up to me and she'd say, Swing me, Dad. Swing me. And What that meant was, not that we'd go into the backyard to the swing set, but what it meant was we had this little game we would play, and she would face me, and I would face her, and I would grab her little wrist, and then I would grab her ankles, and I would spread my legs apart a little bit, and I would swing her like this, up and down. And she'd go up high, and she would laugh, and then... Then I'd swing her again, and then I would let go of her ankles and let her land softly on the, on the floor. And I'd let go of her hands, and the next thing she'd say is, Swing me, Dad. Swing me. Dad, swing me higher. And one time when Nance was at the grocery store, I had this crazy idea. I said, Meredith came to me, and she said, Swing me, Dad. I said, Okay, I'm going to swing you. And I grabbed her ankles and I grabbed her wrist and I started swinging her and I tossed her up in the air and I let go. Of course, I caught her. She landed down. You know what I realized? She never feared that I would drop her. She trusted her father. She trusted her father. She enjoyed the ride. Some of you are in the swing of life. You're saying, God, are you going to land me safe? This is what Psalm 23 says. Even though I walk through what? The valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort. See, the same God that was faithful to Elijah is the same God that's faithful to you. Because you're his child as well. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the word and thank you for being our father. I pray, Father, for anyone here within the sound of my voice who's never truly trusted you as Lord and Savior of their life, that today would be that day to simply say, Lord Jesus, I want a father like this. And I thank you, Father, for this text of Scripture that reminds us of your faithfulness, that you always deliver even when we don't expect as you're faithful to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses, to David, and now to Elijah. Lord, may we be reminded for us as well. We pray this in the name of our Savior Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Would you stand together as we sing this chorus as the dear singing all the stanzas together. And to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his throne. To him be all power and glory and dominion forever. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: We're dismissed.